You're almost famous. You just might find yourself live on air on WATD. Hour two of Almost Famous begins now. And welcome to our number two of Almost Famous 95.9 WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from all across the region here on the South Shore into Boston and across New England. I'm John Shea, and we have two very special guests joining us in studio tonight. I'm going to start by introducing a very good friend of mine. She's been here before, Miss Brianna Grace. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing great. Now, who is with you tonight? One of my very good friends, John Taglieri, is here Hello. with me. John, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, John. How are you? This is a first having you on the show. I've known it you is. forever, but it's the first time you're here, so. Yes. Very cool. Um, so uh, I'll start with you, John, because we already have had Brian on here before, but who? Uh, tell us about yourself. Who are you? I am an independent musician from New Jersey originally, living in Massachusetts now. Um, I've got... Uh, 14 albums out. I've had uh, two hit Billboard, a uh, number one single on Amazon, a few iTunes top tens. Fantastic. And uh, and I made a, uh, I've, I've had a really fun career on my own steam. I was signed, walked away from a deal, started my own label, and I've spent the last just about 20 years on my label. And uh, and I, you know I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have done anything different. I toured the world, got to play for stadiums, and and open for a lot of people I idolized in this business. And it's been a, it's been a fun ride. What brought you to the Bay State? I went and got married. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I met a, uh, an amazing woman who happened to live in Hanson, Massachusetts. And uh, she came and lived with me in New Jersey for a while. And then we, we decided to uh, do the old making the babies thing. We moved back up here where she had more, um, more of a base than sitting at home when I was on the road. And that's how I went up here. So it's been about, awesome. uh, about seven years now living in Mass. Awesome. Good to have you here. Thank you. Uh, Brianna, tell us about yourself. That's you. Is it really? Yes. (laughs) I am also an independent musician, um, born and raised here in Massachusetts. Uh, I do bounce back and forth to Nashville occasionally, however. Um, I've spent a lot of time there, and I love it. Um, I have not had 14 albums, um, but I've (laughs) had some singles. um, And I'm currently working on some new material as well. So I've been playing in the New England area and beyond New England, I think for, oh, God, probably like 12 years now. Very cool. Yeah. And I think I, I saw you um, early on at Retune. Very, very early on. Uh, that music store doesn't even exist anymore. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> we've, out, we've, outlived, we've outlived the place where we met. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was like, what, 2011, maybe? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think I had just graduated high school. Cool. Mm-hmm. Are we going to hear some of these uh, new songs tonight? I think you will. I was debating on whether or not I wanted to uh, put them into the world before they were recorded, but I think I'll share. I don't think you have a choice. Because it's you. (laughs) Thank you. Let's uh, let's start with one of your songs, and then we're going to... Actually, let's let's do two of your songs, and then uh, we're going to play some uh, some tracks from Tag. Sure. (laughs) Oh, he's fancy. He has tracks. Yes. (laughs) What are we uh, listening to first, Brianna? So this first one is a song I wrote um, about a year ago with Keith Dozier down in Nashville. Um, it was a concept that I had had for a little while and I was a little, not concerned about it, but a little bit weary. I didn't know exactly how to go about this concept because, you know, and and after 
telling him about it, he kind of agreed. We didn't want the sound, the song to kind of seem pretentious, if that makes sense, um, because there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, hanging around where you grew up or where you came from. Um, it, it's called Bigger Than This Small Town. Um, and I think it kind of just, it strikes a chord in, in many people kind of like myself. I mean, and I'm a testament to the fact that you never have to leave because I just bought a house in, in the town that I literally grew up in. I bought a house four minutes from my parents' house. But I think when it comes to my career, um, I kind of felt like I was never going to get where I wanted to go just staying in Middleborough as much as I love it. Um, so you ha- I had to branch out, make myself uncomfortable and you know do things that I didn't see other people doing in order to get where I wanted to be. So... That is the backstory. The, that's the backstory. That's the vibe where this song's coming from, just to kind of preemptively <laughs> let you know. I'm not saying like, you know, go tell your 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 hometown to screw itself and the people that still live there. <laughs> and we should mention but. too, before you play the song, the reason that you two are here together is because you perform as a duo. Yes. Yes. And let's talk more about that after the song. Perfect. Hanging out in the Walmart parking lot Just ain't the same Her, Kelly, and Tim's gonna tie the knot We all knew they would someday And that mom and pop corner store May have to close its doors That's the chance you take for these memories So many wanna stay but some can't wait to leave These dirt roads are gray I will always look back and be proud That I was part of that Friday night football crowd But I'm bigger than this small town Must have made at least a hundred laps around that old town square Sipping Gentleman Jack in the backseat But that got me nowhere Sunday morning we would pray Lord, forgive us for Saturday These dirt roads are gray But they don't go where I want to go Where I want to be ten years from now I'm bigger than this small town I will always look back and be proud I was part of that Friday night football crowd But I'm bigger than this small town And that's Brianna Grace, 
WATD, fantastic job on that. Thank you. Talk about how you typically write. When, when, when the idea pops into your mind, how does it go from a concept in your head to a, an actual completed song? So I think for me, it really depends on the song, honestly. Um, I'm kind of all across the board when it comes to how a song initiates itself. I've, I mean, for this one, I actually thought of the title first, um, and then I thought of the hook line right after that, which the title ended up becoming the entirety of the look line. The, sorry, the hook line. <laughs> um, but for another song, I thought of the first verse first. For some, I think of the chorus. For some, I start humming the melody before I even think of the words. Um, it just, however it decides to hit me is how it hits me most of the time. <laughs> now, you said you've been writing um, for about, about, about like a dozen years or so. Um, how do you think your songwriting has evolved over that time? Oh, I think it's evolved in a couple of different ways. I think it's definitely become a, a little bit less self-reflective and just kind of, you know, overall situationally reflective, but at the same time, self-reflective in the sense that I'm not afraid to admit my wrongs in a song anymore. You know, I'll, I'll write about a time that I messed up instead of somebody doing me wrong. No, I elaborate more on that. <laughs> um, I don't know, just maybe admitting that I was really the one at fault in a relationship or I was kind of the reason why that didn't work out. Or um, Was there like a, a moment that that kind of clicked with you? I don't, I don't recall a specific moment, but I think it's more so just maturity level. Okay. Um, you know, 26 versus 16 is a huge difference. Um, and I mean, I started writing, oh gosh. Um, I mean, I would find any reason to write when I was a kid. My Mother's Day, Father's Day, my parents' anniversary, I'd be constantly writing poems. And that evolved into songs when I was probably 13, 14. Um, and I was more proficient with guitar. But... Yeah, like I said, 16 versus 26 is a, is a very big difference in maturity level. So I think that's played a big part in what I write and how I write. Do you ever go back and revisit some of your early songs? Oh, yeah. I was actually doing that this week when I was trying to pick out what songs I wanted to sing tonight. And I found my first songbook. Okay. And it was crazy. <laughs> Live radio. Well, let's hear one of the first songs. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't bring no. that one with okay. me. I didn't know if that was worthy of, um, of the airtime. But it was fun to look back on for sure. That's cool. Now, would you ever consider taking some of those songs and, and updating them and maybe rehashing them to fit what you're writing about today? Oh, I think so, yeah. I was a very creative child, so I <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if one of them had a pretty interesting concept that I could totally rework and make more viable today. Nice. But it would be it'd be fun to do. I've actually never really... That's your homework assignment for the next time Okay. You're <laughs> I think one of the first songs I ever wrote was called... Oh, what was it called? I think it was, called, I think it was actually called Stay. <laughs> and then I became obsessed with the song Stay by Sugarland, so... And I think somewhere in the uh, the WATD archives we have uh, is it the second time around? Oh yeah, <laughs> that was that was like sixteen, seventeen. I was seventeen. Sorry, I was I was seventeen when I recorded that. I think I was sixteen, almost seventeen when I wrote it. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. Let's hear a newer one. What are we uh, listening to next? So this next one I wrote again, probably about a year year and a half ago with um, Johnny Gwynn. I believe you actually know Johnny. Yes, he's been here before. He's, yes. he's a great guy. Um, and he's been living in Nashville for a couple years now as well. So we wrote this one 
down in Nashville um, and then played it out at a songwriter's round. This one is called um, I'd Be Lion. So it's more along the lines of kind of an almost lover situation, you know, kind of the what could have been the what if. I feel like everybody always has that one person that's the what if for the rest of their life. And this is about, you know, meeting up and and reflecting on that and going, oh, wow, our lives went in such different directions. But what if? what, What if we had tried that? Is he listening? Hmm? Nothing. Oh, I don't have no idea. (laughs) He might. (laughs) He might. He pays attention to some of my stuff. Let's hear it. Brianna Grace, 95.9 WATD. Been a long time since you were right in front of me. But here we are. Two almost lovers at the corner bar and you're telling me. Your dreams came true when you found someone You popped the question I know that things between us Yeah, they were bound to change But in this moment I just don't know what to say I could tell you that I'm happy And I wish you well That somewhere inside of me This doesn't hurt like hell Since we last met, well, I'm getting through. But I always thought I'd end up with you, and I'm telling you about the same old, same what I always say can't dive too deep. Our lives went in different directions, but I always thought down the line we'd end up together, so this took me by surprise. I could tell you. Well, that's somewhere inside of me This doesn't hurt like hell And how your good luck's got me smiling But I'd be lying Conversation comes to an end. Guess I'll never know what could have been. I could tell you that I'm happy and I wish you well, but somewhere inside of me, this doesn't hurt like hell.
That is Brianna Grace on the tiny stage tonight with John Tagliere, 95.9 WATD. Um, so I'll bring uh, John into the uh, conversation here too and talk about um, how you two work together on, on, on your gigs. We met, um, we met through a mutual friend uh, who was also in a band with me, uh, Matt Johnson. And Matt brought Brianna into my studio one night to do a live Facebook video shoot. And I'd known who she was just from being on the scene for a while. Um, and uh, once I heard her sing, um, I knew that I needed to work with her. It was just instant, as soon as I heard her voice. Um, <clears throat> and we talked a little bit, and we both decided, you know, we're both busy, but um, let's see if we can do a couple of gigs here and there and have some fun outside of our normal boxes. And then that's turned into kind of pretty much playing full-time together yeah. in two years now. We're, we're, we're doing... Got over about 100 gigs this year together. Fantastic. So it's uh, it's grown into this really good thing. Venues love it. Um, now, you the, two the, kind of come from different genres. How do you kind of find that happy medium between rock and country? It, you know what? That That's sort of what brings a nice balance to the show is it's not one-dimensional. We're not two of the same people. She's definitely more country than me, though I have a country-ish side, but I'm way more hard rock, classic stuff than she is. So we both like, uh, you know, no matter who comes up to the stage with, with a request or something that they want to hear, one of us can find it. You know, so it's a nice dynamic in so much as we do a lot of all request shows and we can do those because between the two of us, there's not many places we can't go. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you should mention that too because one of the, the very earliest memories I have of meeting Brianna was just her sitting with an acoustic guitar picking out a Metallica tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. Yeah. That was we'll cool. learn songs on the fly at shows for people. Like, yeah. like they'll ask it. for something and she'll, she'll be like, hold on, I'm going to go watch the video, John play a song, and I'll play a song or two during the show. She'll step out, listen to the video or the song on iTunes or something, come back, and we'll play it for them. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun that we're both really quick with picking things up and just having fun. You know what? There's no pretentiousness about it. It's, yes. We go out and we have fun. Speaking you know? of which, any upcoming dates that you can share? Um, well, this Friday we're at Tavern on the Wharf. Yep. Um, we're there every other Friday for the remainder of the summer. Yep. And I believe, what else do we have coming up? Uh, do you have your calendar? My uh, phone. My phone just died. Oh no. Well, I'll tell I you know. what. Let, let's uh, take a quick break. And but we do. We have we have at least six or eight shows a month at this point. That's cool. Together. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back. We're going to uh, talk about the upcoming shows, and we'll uh, hear some tracks from John. Sounds good. Sounds good. Ninety-five-nine WATD. More after this. Wherever you go, we're there. Listen online at 959WATD.com. We're the South Shores Radio Station, 959WATD. Welcome back to Almost Famous 959WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from all across the region here on the South Shore, into Boston, and across New England. I am John Shea, back from vacation. A, another huge thank you to uh, Katie Dobbins, Ryan Stanton, and uh, Aaron Dale for filling in for me while I've been away. They were joined by some amazing guests. They had um, Andrew Gino and Abby Vale, who's a good friend of yours, Brianna. Yes, she is. I love that girl. Really great songwriter. Um, so uh, let's do another round of introductions before we get too much further. And um, Bri, I'll start with you. So my name is Brianna Grace. I am a country music artist, although I will sing and play pretty much anything out at my gigs. <laughs> um, I've been in the New England area my whole life, born and raised here in Massachusetts, and I've been playing around for probably the better part of 12 years. Awesome. And uh, John, you're up. 
Um, John Tagliere, New Jersey, born and raised, singer-songwriter. Living in Massachusetts now. Um, have a bunch of records out, toured around the world a bunch of times. It's uh, had a very fun career so far. Cool. I want to talk more about that in just a moment. Um, first, you two play as a, a duo called uh, Tag and Brie or Brie and Tag. Brie and Tag. Uh, Brie and Tag. So always put the girl first. Yes, exactly. Ladies first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you have some upcoming show dates. We, yes. We do. So for the summer, we are every other week at Mamma Mia's Pine Hills and Tavern on the Wharf. On Thursdays. Both in Plymouth. So this Thursday is Mamma Mia's Pine Hills and Friday is Tavern on the Wharf. Um, and then... The Friday following, the 9th, is McGuigan's in Whitman. Cool. Do you have a favorite venue to play? Ooh, that's a good question. It's a really good question. I don't... I think different ones on different nights for different reasons. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Each, each, <laughs> venue, each venue brings a really cool... Um, because our shows are all request, it's never the same night ever. Even if we Even go back the to the same, same venues, venue. Yeah. Yeah, so... There's, there's some nights in, in every venue that are just kind of awesome. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so uh, first and foremost, too, where can people go to get more information? Uh, pretty much our Facebook page is the place to go. It's just facebook.com uh, slash Brie and tag, and you have to spell out the word and. Awesome. Um, and you'll find our entire calendar and pictures. We put up pictures every week from gigs. And oh, and it's, it's Brie with an E. Yes, I know B-R-I-E. some people don't always add the E. Yes. Brie and tag. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Um, Tag, you're up. So uh, you uh, brought along a couple of tracks to share with us tonight. Talk about um, some of your musical beginnings, if you would. Well, um, I'm I'm a little older than Brianna, so um, (laughs) my musical beginnings, you you know, it's incredibly varied. I grew up in a house where my parents were were of the crooner generation, and I was a kid right at the end of the Beatles, and when you know, things like Early Journey, Foreigner, Boston, Black Sabbath was born. You know, that's the time period I was a kid. Stuff. The power pop. But then at the same... <laughs> yes, the power pop. Then at the same time, you know, I had three older sisters who were all into, you know, all of the pop of the the generation. You know, and then along came the 80s, and and, uh, and of course, I was an everything kid. I, it, you name it from hair metal to Euro pop, and I listened to it all. Um, and I've always been that way. I've I've kind of been a sponge for every genre. Um, I started writing songs probably in high school. A lot of the early ones were really crappy. Um, <laughs> to we be all fair. Start, we all start somewhere. Um, I think I really started coming into my own as a songwriter in my, in my early 20s. Um, but I didn't release my first solo record until I was in my 30s. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and it did really well, and it got me a record deal. And uh, then I walked away from the record deal because I realized how bad of a deal it was. Um, and then I started my own label and, and as a writer, it gave me the freedom owning my own label to do whatever I wanted. So so the criticisms I got as a writer coming through was, well, you're not, uh, you're not specific enough. I'm like, well, I'm not Blink-182. I'm not going to give you 12 of the same song. God bless them for doing that, but I'm a songwriter. So you're going to get everything that comes out of me. So having my own label allowed me to really express myself in Here's a pop song. Here's a hard rock song. Here's a country song. Here's something that sounds, you know, strangely South American and Spanish sound. You know, like <laughs> there's across the board, I was able to go do whatever I wanted. And it, it let me really grow as a writer. Um, and then as I matured, I, be, I got a lot more, as Bree said before, I got a lot more honest with my writing. Um, and I also became a better storyteller. So 
um, I think uh, a lot of my early stuff was very autobiographical, where a lot of my later stuff became very storytellerish. Awesome. You brought along some examples. What are we uh, listening to first? We're going to do a song called Turn Around. All right, let's uh, play this and then we'll talk about it. Okay. 95.9 WATD. Five nine W A T D John Tag Leary. That was very cool. I like that tune. Thanks. 
Talk about how that one happened, if you would. That song is one minute of somebody's. It's 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 one second of somebody's life. So um, I'll try to condense the story. I had a series of EPs that were telling a story. We had books that went along with the EPs, and every song was a part of a chapter. And part of that story was these two people finding each other again. And so that song is a second in time where the person in the song, the, the person they were hoping to come back, comes back and taps them on the shoulder. And they know who it is before they even turn around. But they don't want to turn around because they don't want them to be there, even though they want them to be there. It's one of those I love you, I hate you situations. And that entire song is that split second in their mind of do I turn around? And everything I know I want is behind me, but everything I've worked for is in front of me. So what do I do? Did that start off as a concept album or a concept book? It, it's interesting. It's called The Lives Project. So in 2008, I went to EPs over full records because I saw you know singles were better selling at that point. And uh, I had been writing a second EP and realized, me and my co-writer Brad at the time, realized, well, if we took the four songs we'd started for this new EP and put them in a certain order, they told a story. So we were like, well, let's just finish the EP that way. And then my mind never thinks that small. So let's finish the EP that way. It turned into, we should do a series of EPs and we should write books that go along with the EPs and tell the whole story. And the, the EPs can be the cliff notes, so to speak, to the storybooks. And we found a short story writer and so each EP was six songs and the books were six chapters and the titles of the songs were the chapter titles. And it was like an embellishment on the story from each song. That's cool. And it was an entire story of Max and Kate, two messed up people who found each other, fell in love, fell apart, fell, came back together. So instead of a music video to accompany the song, a book accompanies the song, Correct. a chapter. That's very cool. Yeah. That's a great concept. I love Thanks. it. So... Talk about um, so talk about that that record deal that kind of went sour. What happened with that? You know, um, when you realize the money that you don't make, that you have to do a lot of work to not make, and then when we went in to do the second record, and I wrote about thirty-five songs, and they kept telling me we don't hear the single, we don't hear the single, and I was in love with at least half the songs. I was like, I think it's time for me to go, and uh, and I negotiated my way out of the deal, and and I had to buy my first record back because they had the rights to my first record. And I had a 10-year buyback revision clause, so I bought my first record back, but I couldn't play it live, sell it, anything for 10 years. So after 10 years, I got the rights to my record back. And so now I, I own my own catalog. Fantastic. But yeah. You know, it's just, everybody thinks they want the record deal until you're just a cog in the wheel. And then unless you're Bon Jovi making the billions of dollars, you're just the guy that they're using as a tax write-off. Well, it seems like you, a lot of <laughs> artists, you know, over the last... 10 or so years have been successful on their own. You, you don't know, need them anymore. Whether it's, you know, yeah. through, uh, you know, the old school MySpace to um, <laughs> My YouTube <space>. videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taylor it's, started off on MySpace, didn't she? Yes. I think. Years ago. You don't need a label anymore, honestly. A, a label's a bad car deal. A, a, a label is getting a car loan when the car dies driving off the lot. Um, you know, there's, there's no need in the world to sign in with a record label anymore. Not with social media the way it is. If you know how to run your own business. You can be your own label. Well, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the key word. Yes, business. business. Yeah. Well, you've got to know how to do business. A lot of artists do business for their ego, and that's where they get themselves in trouble. You have to learn how to do business for business first. We have a whole YouTube video on my YouTube channel having this discussion yeah. about the music industry and what it's like for an indie artist versus a non-indie artist, stuff like that. So if you want that whole discussion, you can go to my YouTube channel. Yes, and I, actually, I want to talk to you about that once, when, once we're back to your segment. I want to talk about your video series because it's, it's very cool. Oh, cool. Thanks. Sure. Um, so, John, what are we listening to next? Um, this is a song called Fly. 
All right, and uh, talk about the song while I find it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so again, part of the live series. I don't know why I grabbed. Actually, all three tonight were coming off the live series. I don't know why. I think maybe because um, um, they're a bit older now, and, and nobody up here has ever heard them. So I kind of want to get a reintroduction of some of my old stuff. Um, Fly was, you know, a part of that story, and, and you'll you'll hear the lyrics. It's about when they step away from each other. It's about one of them reinventing and finding themselves, and. Um, learning how to fly again. All right, let's hear it. John Tagliari, 95.9 WATD.
John Tagliere, 95.9 WATD Killer. Digging that tune. Let me turn your volume up here. There we go. Thank you. So talk about um, talk about working in the studio. What what was what was that experience like making these songs? It was a joy. Uh, I've always had my own studio. Um, one of the things I did early on was build my own studios, no matter where I lived, because I'd, I'd rather invest the money into my own studios than go spend money at studios. Um, that being said, a lot of my records were made in t- ten different studios because I would I would uh, from being on the road so much. I've met so many people. So, like, case in point, that song has um, Lee Turner from Darius Rucker's band on keyboards, Brian Ficchino from Pat McGee on guitars with me. Um, I've had, you know, um, people from so many different bands and places play on my records that they'll cut them in Nashville and L.A. and Florida and everywhere, and then we would Dropbox tracks back and forth to my studio, and then I would assemble everything. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was a great way to be able to get you know, a lot of my friends to, to play on records where we didn't have to fly them in to do anything, which was kind of awesome. Um, I love the studio process. Um, I also believe a lot of, uh, in, in a lot of organic kind of studio stuff. Um, some of the stuff where, in, in, where I was working with Brad, my, my old co-writer, we would literally sit on my couch and write a song, be done with the song, get up and walk into the studio and record it. No pre-production, no thought process, <laughs> and let the song tell us what it wanted us to do. And a lot of them, we have a lot of songs that were done in, in you know, every instrument was one or two takes to, to finish out all the recordings. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I love that kind of spontaneity. I, I'm not a big fan of overproducing, like where, where it's, uh, you take the energy and the life out of something. And the tracks that we've listened to so far, they, they have that, they, they sound tight and they sound great, but they also have that live feeling too. I've definitely... Um, I've got about 4,000 shows or so under my belt in a career, so I'm, I'm definitely a seasoned live performer as much as I've done a bunch of records. But that, that live energy, even in the studio, I'm, in my head, I'm somewhere playing big. So I'm not just sitting in the dark, like, you know, ultimately, like, picking these notes out very, like, you know, sitting still in a chair. I'm still moving, even in the studios, if I was on stage. Now, you've played, like you said, thousands of shows. You've shared the stage with countless people, any any favorite shows stick out in your mind? Um, the number one ultimate show for me was I was a big Triumph fan growing up. I don't know if you know who Triumph yes. is. Okay, so Rick Emmett was my my god as a child, as a as a guitar player, as a kid. Wallpapered my practice room with Rick Emmett. A lot of visits to Canada. No, no, no. Got to see them when they would come <laughs> to New Jersey and play nice. the Meadowlands Arena and things like that. But then fast forward, he leaves Triumph and wants to come back to New York to do his first solo show ever and the first show in New York in 15 years. And I knew the agent, and I helped them put that show on. And as a thank you, they put me on at his opener. Oh, cool. So I'm at the bottom line, sold out in New York City, opening for the biggest idol of my life. And I, two things about that night that, that will always stick with me. Before the show, I'm sitting with my dad in the dressing room, and knock, knock on the door, come on in, is Rick Emmett. Sits down with me and my dad, and we just start talking baseball because we were all coaches. <laughs> cool. So I'm sitting between them, the two biggest influences in my life just like you know this half of me is being like oh yeah baseball cool this half of me is like a 12 year old girl at a in sync concert like ah! so it was kind of a weird moment but then after my set his manager came up to me and said that rick wanted to talk to me and i went to his dressing room and he was so happy with my show he asked me to come out and close his show with oh, him wow. and play a song that i grew up on for 25 years now and 
you know, that moment standing on stage playing with him will be the penultimate moment of my career, no matter what has ever happened since. Fantastic. Great story. Can we talk, too, about why we're playing the tracks tonight? Um, Yeah. So about four and a half years ago, um, I unknowingly developed acid reflux. And the acid reflux um, caused what they call a sulcus on my right vocal cord. And as you can tell, as you can hear, my voice is scratchy. I can still sing, but there's a portion of my voice that doesn't work like it used to. Um, And uh, there's some days where I can get notes out perfectly. Some days where I sound like Tom Waits. (laughs) Um, Where you you hear what my voice used to sound like. So um, the days where it doesn't work, there's literally nothing I can do to get it to work. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to risk it being here on the radio. Um, so I just thought the better choice would be to let the songs speak yes. for themselves. It's, it's a frustrating thing because there's I a lot imagine. of my own songs I can't sing anymore. So, um, but we still get to go out and play, you know, 15, 18 shows a month and have a blast. It's, it yeah, doesn't keep exactly. me from working. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a certain part of, of the vocal range that doesn't work anymore. Well, that is how John Tagliari were playing some of his tracks. Um, what are we uh, going to close out your set with? We're going to close out with a song called Ghost. And talk about the song, if you would. So, uh, again, going along with that whole um, lives project thing, um, Ghost was... So the last song was Kate's coming alive after the two of those split up. This one was Max not being able to get Kate out of his head. So you'll, you'll get it through the words. You'll, you'll understand the meaning. And if you've ever been in a relationship and, and that relationship ended, and no matter what you did, you have trouble moving on, you will understand this song. Let's hear it. 95.9 WATD. The name of the song one more time is Ghost. Turn. 
Love it. John Tag Leary, 95.9 WATD. I saw Brianna headbanging her head in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's but cool. The fun part is this, there's a lot of my originals. I don't think she's heard yet either. Very cool. Yeah. Before we uh, take our final break of the night, I want to talk about that guitar that you uh, weren't playing. <laughs> oh, that one. Yes, yes. That's uh, very. Uh, that has a, a story behind it that I wasn't aware of. My my Taka Martin. Yes, Taka <laughs> Martin. Um, yeah, this is a this is a nineteen seventy um, nineteen seventy seven Takamini, um, and uh, it's a dead on copy of a D twenty eight Martin D twenty eight. And the reason it's a dead-on copy is everybody knows about the lawsuit era of guitars where everybody sued everybody to stop making the big-name guitars. But um, there was a point where Martin was looking to have a secondary brand, and I think it became what is everybody knows as Sigma. But before it was Sigma, Takamini was going to become that brand for them. So Martin sent all of their tooling over to Japan, and Tak started building guitars on all the Martin tools. So they're building exact replicas of the Martin guitars at budget prices for that day. And then the deal fell apart, and ultimately Sigma was what was born out of it from Martin doing it on their own. So for less than a year, Takamini was making guitars on Martin Tools. So this guitar is a Takamini, but if you saw the head script, the headstock yes. script is the Martin scripting, and it is a dead-on copy of a D28. And it sounds amazing, too. Yeah, it's an amazing-sounding guitar. It plays, sounds, feels, and looks just like a D28. Nice. So and at this point, what do we... Uh, 41 years old. So, wow. Yeah, she's an old girl. Still sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find your solo stuff, John? They can go to johntagliery.com. And, and that's T-A-G-L-I-E-R-I. Um, and you can put my name into any search browser, any web uh, search engine, throw it into any downloadable source you want, Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, you name it, it's on there. Excellent. So, we have one more break, and then we have, uh, I think, uh, a live tune from Brianna to close out the show. The South Shores Radio Station, 95.9 WATD. And welcome back to Almost Famous 95.9 WATD, introducing you to independent bands and musicians from all across New England. Brought to you every Tuesday by Tiny and Sons Glass, about to make room for Mike Joshua, Americanorama. Comes your way at 10 o'clock every weekday night, except for Fridays here on WATD. So he's on deck getting things warmed up in the studio here. Um, you can follow us online, facebook.com slash almostfamousradio. Instagram to add almostfamousradio. Give us a like there while you're at it. And uh, subscribe to our podcast, which you can find by searching for Almost Famous WATD. And a big thank you to uh, Jeff and Heather Jones, the Joneses. They uh, donated uh, some new uh, studio equipment that we're using tonight, uh, a Behringer mixer. So a big thank you to them. I see Tag in there. Shaking Love the Joneses. They're Love great. The Joneses. Love them, too. Awesome people. Um, so give us your uh, your website um, for the uh, solo stuff and for the, uh, the duo, if you would. Um... What's your website, Miss Bree? Ladies first. <laughs> My website is briannagraceofficial.com. And your, your social media pages? Brianna Grace Official. There you go. Uh, I'm johntagleary.com or on any social media, just John Tagleary. Um, except Facebook, it's John Tagleary Music. Awesome. And then we are uh, facebook.com slash Brie and Tag, Brie with an E, B-R-I-E, A-N-D-T-A-G. And, and us both. upcoming shows. Uh, this Thursday, Mamma Mia's Pine Hills. This Friday, Tavern on the Wharf, Plymouth. 
uh, the following Friday, uh, McGuigan's and Whitman. Um, Every other Thursday, every other Friday for the year, starting this week, um, we're at um, Mamma Mia's and Tavern, so you can just find us there. Excellent. And but our Bri- header on the Facebook page is our calendar, so you'll see it. Awesome. Brian Tag, check it out. Um, Brianna, you uh, also have a video series that we started talking about earlier. Give that a plug. So one other kind of passion of mine um, is actually interior decor and interior design. And I was blessed enough to be able to purchase a home this year. Um, and we are the crazy ones who decided to buy a foreclosure and get um, a major fixer-upper. <laughs> so we've been working on that since early April. And it is in the finishing stages, um, but we have many more things planned for it. So I decided I wanted to kind of share that with my followers, with my fans, because I know a bunch of them enjoy that stuff as well. So I just decided to start a little kind of docu-series about just the transition of my home and the the whole renovation process and kind of show the behind the scenes and insight of, you know, what it really takes to turn it from drab to hopefully fab. Cool. (laughs) Excellent. So yeah, check it out. Um, The information is up on your Facebook page, right? Yes. Yeah. That'd be a good name for your series. Drab, Drab to, to fab. hopefully fab. Drab to hopefully fab. <laughs> Sounds like a <laughs> But it's going to be a very long-term thing. We, um, we're only finishing one floor of the house right now. Um, and then we have a plan for the upstairs as well as the basement. So um, it, should, it should be a long time. That should be a long-term series on top of posting my music stuff. Nice. So. And we have time for one more song. What are we going up to the top of the hour with? So I'm going to play a song called Denial. So a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum from the one I played earlier where it was the what if situation. This is the, you are, for lack of a better word, you're literally in denial about, you know, what it really is or the fact that it's ending, um, that kind of stuff. You don't want to move on or you don't want to accept the fact that maybe it's an unrequited love situation. Um, And this is the song that I actually had the first verse written before anything else. Um, And we ended up kind of just placing it in there and it worked perfectly and it made the songwriting process so quick. It was crazy. Um, Myself, Jan Edwards and um, our friend Lori actually wrote this song down in Nashville and I think it took us an hour, maybe. So this one's called Denial. Let's hear it. Brianna Grace, John Tag Leary, thank you so much. Get home safely. We'll talk to you soon. You're dangerous For my mind But my body Is doing just fine And my heart Well, I'm not sure The Lord knows I'll be back for more Being here shouldn't be what I allow But for now Take me to Friday night at 2 a.m. Under that porch, I when 
you pulled me in and told me that you'll always need this. Made me think you really mean it. Tell me I don't have to face the truth. Take me to the backseat. Can't you feel my heartbeat? Take me where I have you. Take me to denial. When I see you out, it's hard to breathe. I catch your eye, it's like you don't even know me. You're only as blind as you want to be, but I don't want to see, so take me to Told me that you'll always need this Made me think you really mean it Tell me I don't have to face the truth Take me to the seat. Can't you feel my heartbeat Take me where I have you Take me to denial You pull me in and told me that you'll always need this. Made me think you really mean it. Tell me I don't have to face the truth. Take me to the backseat. Can't you feel my heartbeat? Take me where I have you. Take me to the backseat. Can't you feel my heartbeat? Take me where I have you. Take me to denial. 